fantastic. Thank you all for being here this morning. And I uh, hope that uh, your time here is uh, going to be well spent. And uh, I think that uh, it's already been a good morning. I love singing those songs and uh, celebrating God together. It's such an awesome time. Uh, last uh, last couple of days we've been up uh, the youth group and a couple of us have been up to uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, to the uh, Cheyenne Church of Christ, and uh, went, went to a youth rally up there, and uh, so it was a really good time. Um, asked the kids about it, uh, any of them that went, and uh, they they'll be able to tell you how much fun they had and and um, what they learned, different things like that. So it was a good time, good time of fellowship. Met some met some guys from Arkansas, and. Uh, spoke with some serious accents and um, it was hard to not just latch onto their accent while we were there and um, but it was a good time they were a good bunch of people this morning we're going to continue in our series entitled Jesus the Radical Jesus wasn't a a common individual he wasn't expected he was uh, above and beyond the expectations or I should say outside the realm of expectations when it came to those who were watching for him and, and waiting for him. And um, so we're going to continue uh, with these thoughts this morning. I want us to think about just a couple of things. If you weren't here last week, I want us to think about just a couple of great things that we saw from last week. And, uh, and I want to share those with you so you're kind of caught up with where we're at. And, uh, and then we'll continue in Mark chapter 2. So those great thoughts from last week, Jesus only helps those who know they need a doctor. Jesus is only going to help those who know they need a doctor. We ended last week with, these, uh, with two word pictures that Jesus gave us. One was about a new patch on, on an old, uh, old clothing, and uh, the other was about new, wines, new wine in old wineskins. And uh, this concept of, of putting just a little piece or taking just a little bit of, of Jesus and applying it to our lives is not going to work. We need to take a full on switcheroo and uh, change our ways and change our thoughts and change our paradigm and change our ways of, of thinking completely holy all the way to the core rather than just taking a little piece. We basically understand that Jesus isn't going to work if we don't take his entire way of thinking. If you are here in the church this morning or here in the congregation today worshiping with us and we're, and we're just here to get a little conscience soother. It's it's not going to work. He's no soothie. I know that's not a word, but it is now. He's no soothie. I know that's not a word, but but I I think it applies here. Jesus is not just going to soothe us anytime we show up to church. It's a complete overhaul. He wants us to take all of him, not just a little piece. He calls for life transformations, not just quick fixes. Second idea that we talked about last week was that Jesus did not come to bless my life. He came to change it. Jesus did not come to bless our life. He came to change it. I know this one isn't easy as well. This is why I have to go back to the Jesus in the Bible, not, not my Jesus. Because I like to have this magical little Jesus sitting on my shoulder. And anytime I hit a rough patch in life, I just say, okay, okay, Jesus, fix this. That's not what Jesus is about. My Jesus is here to bless my life. And if, if I'm not blessed, then, then I'm mad. I'm not mad at me for making dumb mistakes. I'm mad at Jesus for not magically fixing it. In a nutshell, that's Western civilized Christianity. We have to remember that the normal 
symbol for Christianity is a cross. It's not a recliner. You don't see people wearing recliners around their neck, do you? They don't. What crosses around their neck? And one particular individual, I don't know if you noticed the piece of art on the bulletin. One particular individual that I have met recently, his name, he goes by Cross. He's a bit of a radical. He's a bit of a crazy man. He doesn't fit the mold of a typical religious individual. I sat down on the sidewalk just outside this summer and and began talking to Matthew. And he blew me away with his knowledge about the Bible. He could speak fluent Hebrew and Greek. He knew all of the prophecies from the Old Testament and how they played out in the New Testament. The guy sat there and just blew me away. I was just amazed by the way he could think through situations and problems and even in his own life. He knew what he should be doing. He drew that piece of art for me that's on the bulletin today. I don't think that's the, the, the one I'm going to get tattooed on the, my back, but that's what he does. He likes to draw, draw things to tattoo. And Matthew Moss is, goes by the name Cross because he has a cross tattooed on the side of his face. I don't recommend that everybody go out and get a cross tattooed on the side of your face. But we have to understand that symbol of Christianity is not a recliner. It's a cross. And Jesus asks us to daily take up our cross and follow him. So turn with me to, Math, uh, to Mark chapter 2, the second book in the New Testament. It's going to be about three-fourths away through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. If you find Matthew, it's just behind it. If you find Luke, it's just in front of it. Mark chapter 2. I want you to hold Mark chapter 2 open. If you've got an app, hold it open to Mark chapter 2. We're going to bounce around just a little bit, but mostly we're going to spend most of our time in Mark chapter 2, close to the end of the chapter. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23, is where we're at today. If you don't have a Bible and you see one um, in somebody's lap next to you, just steal it. It's okay. It's the only thing you're allowed to steal. And especially in church, you're allowed to steal Bibles. I know I've said that before, but it's legit. Mark chapter 2. And I want to start reading down in verse 23. Mark chapter 2, starting down in in about verse 23. You know what? We're going to read just a few passages or a, a few verses here. I think it would be a good idea for us to honor God's word and stand as we read. Let's stand up and read together. You can follow along with me. Mark chapter 2. I'm reading from the NLT. If you have a choice, you can switch the NLT so you can follow along word for word. Mark chapter 2, starting in there in verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read the scriptures, what what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Verse 26, he went into the house of God during the days of Abathar, who was a high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made 
to meet the needs of people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If, if he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Let's look to God in word of prayer. God, thank you so much for the words that are written in this book that we hold so dear. God, thank you for bringing us the Bible and giving us these uh, eyewitness accounts of the things that, that Jesus did while he was here on this earth. God, help us as we, we look into these ideas and these thoughts about the Sabbath today and what they mean for us and how we are to apply them to our lives. God, help us to think through these things and be able to apply them to our lives. Not just, not just listen to them, not just understand them, not just know them, but God, be able to apply them. God, help us to go away from here changed people. God, thank you for being with us this morning. Please bless this time now. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for doing that with me. Jesus had a little bit different view on rules, didn't he? Obviously, when, when the apostles were walking through the field here, uh, they just began popping some heads of grain right off of the, of the wheat or whatever it was, and they began to eat them. Mark chapter 2 there, verse 23, it says on the Sabbath, Jesus was walking through the grain fields and, the, and they were breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said, Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? What was this Sabbath thing all about? Where did they get this idea that the Sabbath was something that they were to honor? Where do we find the Ten Commandments in the Scriptures? Help me out. Where do we find them? Very close to the beginning of the Bible, right? We find them in two different chapters. Exodus what? Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy what? Chapter 5. Let's go back there to Exodus 20. I know, I told you to stay in Mark, but just go with me back to the beginning of the Bible. It won't be difficult. It's the second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. And let's kind of look at what these commands were that God gave to the Israelites back in the day. Exodus 20, look at verse 8. It says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one of your household may do any work. This includes your sons, your daughters, your male, your female uh, servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So here you have the command 
Everybody was allowed to work for six days, and then on that seventh day they were to rest, just like God did when he created the world. It was a day of rest, and they were to hold it in high regard. It was a day to honor God. It was a day to to worship him. Down in Exodus 31, if you're still there in Exodus, cruise down to um, chapter 31. He kind of adds to this a little bit and kind of gives us some idea of what was to happen if they didn't abide by the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 31, look at verse 12. It says, The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day. For the Sabbath is a sign of a covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day for it is a holy day for you. Then he gives the consequences. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Any who, anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. Really? A death penalty for not taking a break? For not taking a rest? God held it in pretty high regard, didn't he? It was important to him that we rested on that day. That that day was for, for rest and relationship. The Sabbath was primarily just that. It was for rest and relationship. It was for physical renewal. A, renewal, a day of renewal. Remember Terry when he had all these pictures up here and he was, had these books all over the whole auditorium? Well, whatever you call this room, community room, all over the chairs. Remember how he mentioned that each book has a margin and each picture has a frame? He recommended that we spend more time in the margins of our life. When Carol decorates a wall in our house, there's not something on every square inch of that wall. She puts a few key items in the middle of the wall, but then the rest of it is left open. I don't know what her mantra is and why she does it that way. But it lets whatever it's that's there breathe, right? It's, it's, a, it's a margin. It's a place. It's a blank space. It was for physical renewal. It was for recharging the Israelites physically. It was also a spiritual renewal. Let there be one day that's not about you. God said set a day aside about, for just thinking about who God is and what he's about. Jesus wants to be a part of each and every week. Some people think that uh, taking a day off would be career suicide. But you know what? Studies have actually shown that if we take time off, our time at work will actually be more productive than if we just worked 24-7. Isaiah 58 Verse 13, it says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. So there's the law. There's the plan. That's what God had originally designed the Sabbath to be. 
guys like me, I'm not going to take the heat on this one. I'm going to let you join me. People like us, don't we? We have a tendency to try to get around the rules, right? Anytime a rule is made, it's like, hmm, let's see if I can break it. Right? Says, don't cross that fence. Well, you know what? I, I see how talented and how creatively I can cross that fence. Says, drive the speed limit. What do we do? Well, according to Matt, uh, you can actually drive about, you know, eight or nine miles an hour out there on the freeway, and he's not going to pull you over. We constantly, every day of our lives, often try to get around the rules. Whether it be an emotional thing, an actual physical law, it doesn't matter. We always are trying to get around the rules. God said, don't work on the Sabbath. And because I'm a carpenter, if I do a little bit of welding on the side to make a little money on the side on the Sabbath, do you think he'll be all right with that? Well, it's not my trade, so, you know, I could probably get away with it, right? So what happened is that the priests saw this happening. They saw people like me and you trying to break the rules, trying to get around the Sabbath. They would do things that they weren't supposed to do. And so the priest would add extra things on so that, so that people wouldn't try to get around this law. So they wrote all kinds of things. They, they call it a, I think it's called a, a Mishnah. If, if Matthew was here today, he could tell you exactly what it is. I think it's called a Mishnah. And, and they, the priest would add to, and so it was a whole book. And actually, actually, if you look it up online, the Mishnah is like volumes of writings that the rabbis did. Second, third, fourth century um, writings that the the priests and the, um, the rabbis wrote so that people wouldn't break the rules. So let me, just, let me just share with you a little bit what was developed. So you couldn't carry anything on your hands, in your hands. You couldn't carry anything on your back, across your shoulders or across your chest. Uh, you could carry things on the back of your hand. So if, you, if it would fit on the back of your hand, you could carry it on the back of your hand. And you could carry it on, on the top of your foot. How much are you going to be able to carry on the top of your foot? I wouldn't be very good because I kind of bruised my heel yesterday. And so stepping on my heel kind of hurts. Couldn't get much accomplished. You could carry things with your hair. So if you had really strong hair, you could carry things, right? You could carry things with your hair. You could carry things in the hem of your shirt or the hem of your skirt. Uh, you could carry things in your shoe or in your sandal. So if you could slide it in along with whatever was in your shoe. If you had a small foot and got big shoes, maybe you could carry quite a bit. You see how my mind works? It just is constantly breaking the rules or trying to figure out a way to get around them. Guys weren't allowed to tie knots. Only the ladies were allowed to tie on their girdles. Is this where a girdle is? No? Here? 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 I don't know. But anyway, so girls were allowed to tie on... I don't know what a girdle is. Girls were allowed to tie on... We'll, we'll pretend it's up here. Girls were allowed to tie on their girdles. So literally at the well, at the water well, you'd lower the bucket in the water and, the, and it would fill up with water. And you, you know, typically you'd turn the crank or you'd pull it out. The only way they would get water on the Sabbath is if the ladies would tie it onto their girdle because they were the only ones that could tie knots on the Sabbath. So the ladies would tie it on their girdle and they would back up to bring the water up to the top of the well. People are always trying to get around the rules. 
And so this is what happened. These oral traditions were handed down from generation to generation. And we have this scene. Jesus is already not going to fit in. He's already proved that he's not going to fit the mold of of what the typical uh, religious person of the time was. And you know what? I'm going to, Jesus said, I'm going to comfort anyone who wants to change. But I, I don't care who they are. I don't care what their lifestyle is like. He said, you better be okay with that. But we aren't. And he said, then you're really not going to be part of the program. Jesus said, I'm not coming to bless your life. I'm coming to change it. If you don't have an openness to change, then don't get the Jesus sticker on your bumper. Right? So he and his crew walking through this field. And they begin picking some grain. They break four or five or six rules of of the Sabbath. They no longer, no, not only did they harvest it, but they also, uh, let's see, what are the other processes that you have got to go through with wheat before you stick it in your mouth? You know, you have to yeah, probably husk it or, or winnow it or do something to it. And so there was m- multiple things, yeah, multiple things that they did to break the rules. Popped it in their mouths and they began to eat it. The Pharisees were freaking out because the boys were, were eating some trail mix while they were walking through the field. It really was a granola issue. That's really what it was. We say, well, well, who do these Pharisees think they are? But trust me, we can get in that same place so easily. Churches split and are destroyed over similar things. Hymns or praise songs, instruments or no instruments, one cup or many Drums made it to the stage of a little church building and 30 people left the congregation. Well, you know, drums are sort of a work of the devil, so I can see why. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? We all have some granola in our hands. This is one of those situations where Jesus is saying he's not going to fit the mold. We're going granola hunting on the Sabbath day. He's not going to fit the mold. I think he would have made, a little, made me a little uncomfortable to hang out with him. Um, I, I don't know that I'd want to be near him very often. Uh, it would have made me a little uncomfortable. But I love reading about it. I love seeing what he's doing in these situations. Jesus pulls out some precedents. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to them, Haven't you heard it, heard it read in the scriptures when, when David, when he and his companions were hungry? Do you think the Pharisees knew the story? Absolutely, they did. They knew it. They knew exactly, probably they knew exactly what, what part of the, of the Torah this story was in. They knew exactly what he was talking about. He went to the house of God during the days of Abiathar the high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. They knew the story, they knew what happened. But yet they still honor David as one of their greats. They must have not known what to say after Jesus responded this way. Because Jesus pauses and then he just starts in again. Look at verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath, Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. 
Man was not made to obey rules. Rules were made to help man. Human needs will always take priority over oral traditions. Let me explain it this way. I've got some great furniture climbers in my house. And I've been trying to get them to stop from day one. Um, Cameron still, to this day, will do things and test the boundaries. And I've been working on her for 15 years. I have rules about furniture. You don't sit on the arms of the couch. You don't lean back in your chair. Um, That's just to name a few. Corbin sees the big kids do it, and then he just follows right along. And so it's a constant thing of trying to break these bad habits. So it was about 16 or 17 years ago, Carol and I were sitting around the house in our, um, yeah, in our leather couch. And um, Carol looked at me and she said, well, you know, we have, we have really good furniture rules. We, um, we should have some kids to try them out on. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. We should. I said, you know, our, our rules about furniture are really just impeccable. They're, they're really great rules. And why not? Let's just try, you know, let's just try having them you know, have a few kids and try them out. Do you see where the rules are getting in front of the situation? Kids weren't needed to obey the rules. The rules were created to protect and provide for the kids, right? Man was not made to obey rules. Rules were made to help man. Jesus is telling these guys here that the law was not created to, to, uh, it was created. It was created to help us physically and spiritually renew. But it all turned into, once again, all turned into a granola war. Do you think God really intended this law, this rule, to restrict in this particular way? No. And then he goes on to say, and by the way, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Can you imagine what the Pharisees would have been saying at that point? Who does this guy think he is? God's rules are either to prepare, protect, or provide for us. That's what they're there for. God's rules are either to prepare, protect, or provide for each and every one of us. All of them, no matter what they are. Every one of these commands are there to prepare, prepare us, to protect us, and to provide for us. The closer we align our lives to God's rules, what takes place in our lives? The fuller, the more enjoyable our lives are. It's always funny to me when I decide to submit to one of them that I have fought for many, many years previously. It's amazing to me how much better my life becomes when I align myself with God's rules. Obeying my parents, for instance. You know, it actually benefited me in the long run. Anytime I would obey them. It's a funny thing. You know what? Loving my wife and respecting her and honoring her, it pays off. In great ways. Disciplining my children the way God asks me to. You know what? It makes dinner time so much more enjoyable. It's amazing. I can go on and on. And I'm sure you can too. Why do we fight it? Why do we try to avoid these laws, these rules, these, these ideals that, that God puts out for us? We know what the book says. Why don't we just obey it? Jesus said it so well. He said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people 
to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So he's been irritating these religious leaders, right? Now look where he goes. He's out there in the fields, which is fine. He's going to irritate him because he's on the Sabbath and he's messing around with, he's picking, you know, some trail mix and popping in his mouth. And all the boys are doing the same thing. But look where he goes. Verse 1 of chapter 3. He gets a little radical here. And this is where you get the title of the message today. Why did you do that? Of all the choices, of all the places you could have gone, of all the things you could have said, why did you go into the synagogue? Unbelievable. That's just crazy. But look at verse 1. Jesus went into the synagogue again. He goes right into their house. You know what's taking place in there. All these... these you know, Pharisees are sitting around and I'm sure they have the chief seats. They're sitting in the front rows and, and they've got their, their nice long robes on and they're, what do they call them, flactories and all their, all, their, all their decorations on their robes. And they're righteous dudes, man. And they're sitting there right in front. And you know good and well the disciples as they come in, they uh, you know, skirt to the outside, to the shadowed spots in the, in the room. And they're going to sit around and they're going to watch what Jesus does. And what's he do? He comes in there and he noticed a man with a deformed hand. And since it was a Sabbath, Jesus' enemies were watching him closely. They had already busted him out there in the field, and now they're really watching. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the deformed, the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Jesus' enemies were watching closely. I want you to know that if you choose to follow Christ, if you choose to follow him, you are going to be watched. There are going to be people just sitting around for the sole purpose of busting your chops. They did it to Christ and they'll do it to us. Just realize it's going to happen. I love what Jesus does here. He asked the man with the messed up hand to come and stand in front of everyone. He doesn't doesn't just do it on the side in the shadows he asks him to come and stand in front of everyone second century tradition historians tell us that this man it was possible that this man had a stone he was a stonemason and a stone had dropped on his hand it had deformed his hand to the point that he could not longer use it it was completely smashed i don't know why jesus asked him to stand in front but i think he was trying to show that church should be the one place where we can be real about our brokenness. It's the one place that it's okay to show that we have things that need Christ's help. The sin in our lives. The place where we can be ourselves and still be accepted. Verse 4, he turns to his critics and asks, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? Look at those next five words. But they wouldn't answer him. Oh, I think it's good to do evil on the Sabbath, don't you? Uh, No, they couldn't answer it, could they? Jesus knew that their hearts had already put thoughts in their heads about killing him. He was trying to get them to see the real need and stop accusing him. He was still trying, even though he knew that their hearts were were far away from him. He was still trying to make a point. He looked at them angrily. Come on, guys. Why can't you get this? 
Why can't you get this? This is what the law was all about. It's not about all those rules. It's about helping people where there are needs. He looked around at them in verse 5 and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. Of course, the Pharisees were out the door. This is what makes me uncomfortable about this Jesus guy. He could read their hearts. What in my life would he look at and say, Lord, I can see that religious game you're playing there. I can see those rituals. I can see those, those pretending moments in your life. What about your heart? What's deep down inside? What is it that you're supposed to do for others? He becomes angry and deeply saddened by what they allowed church to become. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. He could have avoided it. He could have done it over in the shadows of the, of the side of the room. The guy could have come back and said, you know, he could have come back the next day. He could have just waited till, till sundown that day. He could have sent him home and said, come back tomorrow and I'll heal your hand. That guy would have gone home and he would have celebrated. He would have, he would have thrown a big, huge party and he would have just had a blast with his family because Jesus told him that his hand was going to be healed the next day. Jesus, why did you do that right then and there? He wanted to make a point about the, what the Sabbath was all about. He realized that the pretty boys on the front row didn't want to do things his way. And he wanted to make a point. It's going to get messy. It's going to be costly. So let's wrap this up. Let's be perfectly clear. I've mentioned the rules. I've mentioned the laws. I've mentioned the, the commands. I've also said that, you know what, it's, it's okay to break those laws and rules and commands when you're meeting the needs of people. But I think we need to be really clear. But when it comes to breaking rules, there's a huge difference between our needs and our wants. When it comes to breaking rules, there's a huge difference between needs and wants. Hey, if it's something in your life that you need to do, and religion's, religion says don't do it, go ahead and be like Jesus and break the rules. But it's not because your kid needs to be in a better school that you lie about your address. No, that's not it. Jesus is talking about your, about your wants. He's not talking about your wants. He's talking about your needs. He's talking about the needs of people. And secondly, get this. If we are not meeting needs, then we are not following Jesus. If we're not meeting needs, then we're not following Jesus. He came to church and he said, congratulations, you sang, you sang four kids songs and then you prayed and then you did, you did four praise hymns and then you had you know, praise songs and then you had one hymn and, and then you were serious for a bit and remembered the sacrifice. You, you partook of the emblems and you listened to the word presented. You treated each other better in the parking lot than you do out on the city streets. That's great. You get extra points for that. Congratulations. You do religion really well. 
Then we need to look at our lives. He'd look at our hearts. He'd look at our finances. He'd look at the other six days of our lives. And he would drop his head. And he would be deeply saddened by what he sees. And maybe even a bit angry. Come on, guys. Why can't you get this? Why can't you get this? Jesus would say. What are you doing about meeting needs? Is your relationship, or I should say your religion, is coming to church, is being here amongst other believers, is it just to make you feel good? Is it just to put a little patch on an old piece of clothing? Or is it because you want to be here because you want to be changed? Because you want to become what Jesus Christ wants you to become. If we continue to do all the religious stuff right but aren't meeting the needs, we're missing the program. We're of no need to Him if we aren't following His ways and meeting needs of those He loves. John 13, 35 says, Your love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not how much you read your Bible, not how much you pray, not how much, you, how much the Bible you have memorized, not, not perfect church attendance, but it's how you love. That's where it's at. God, may we always realize that we are sick. We come here together in our, in our willingness to be changed by Him. Not here for, for a blessing, but here to be changed. God, help me realize that, that your laws are there to prepare, protect, and provide for me. Not to make my life boring and dull. Most importantly, help me love others. And we get, when we get done with that, he wants us to love others. And when we wrap up with that, he wants us to love others. And then when we get that accomplished, we should love others. And when we get tired of that, we should love others. Hmm. That's what all those laws and rules are about. It's about making us what God wants us to be so that we can love others. I don't know about you, but Jesus was a crazy man. He was a radical. He was a little bit, a little bit off his rocker when he was here. Going back into the scripture and looking at what he was and how he interacted with the religious people makes me want to reanalyze the idea that I'm a religious person. I don't want to be a religious person. I want to have a real relationship with him and I want to love on others the way he did. I don't want to let religion get in the way of the way he wants us to respond to others. Thank you for your attention this morning. I think there's been some things, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've been changed by the, way, by the way Jesus responded to things like the Sabbath. I hope you have too. Thank you for the time that you spent here today. And um, I thank you for, for making, uh, making an effort to be here and making God a part of your life. I know he'll bless you for it. And uh, once again, if it's, uh, 
if it's one of those rules that you're fighting, you know what? More than likely, if you start following his way, life will probably get a little smoother, a little easier. He's not promising, uh, he's not promising perfect, easy life, but your life will be fuller if we trust, if we trust in him.